0: Hello and welcome to The Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison. It is Sunday, the 17th of July, 2022, and what a glorious sunny day it is. And I am here in the Harbour City, Sydney, with the love of my life. Van Batham, How are you this afternoon, Van?
1: Well, Ben Davison, I'm pretty glad to be here. It's lovely to be sharing what is, uh, unfortunately, an unusually sunny Sydney day with you. I feel the city has turned it on, somewhat out of character, as anybody who's been here for the past few months realises, showcasing itself to make you like it.
0: Well, I have to say there's been lots of good news while we've been here in Sydney. Of course, the big news that we were discussing earlier on the week on Wednesday, on Wednesday and last Sunday, was the need to extend the paid pandemic payment, the payment for people who need to isolate if they don't have access to sick leave. And we know there's almost one third of Australians don't have access to sick leave. Uh, And thanks to the campaigning of the Australian Trade Union Movement, uh, and you can join your union, AustralianUnions.org.au slash WOW, that's WOW, you can join right now online while you listen to Van and I talk about the fact that the Albanese Labor Government has heard the workers of Australia, heard the working people uh, of the trade union movement and has reinstated the paid pandemic disaster payment Uh, which will help the hundreds of thousands of Australians who are currently getting COVID as we speak, Van.
1: Yes, and as everybody knows who listens to this show regularly, Ben and I both had COVID. Our mothers have had COVID. Uh, You know, it's just absolutely racing through the community, and I think we all know that. Uh, A reminder to everybody, please wear masks on public transport do not get into an elevator without a mask on. You are literally taking your own life into your hands when you do that because if I'm ever in an elevator that somebody gets into without a mask on ever again, I may in fact kill them because I do not want to get coronavirus ever again. But, yeah, look, every single time we do this show we say join a union and I just want to explain that this is a really good example of why structurally this is smart the more members unions have, the greater the density of the membership, the more that governments are obliged to listen to
0: them when they put the case of working people. Absolutely. And, you know, the case for this was very, very strong. Uh, there was a strong medical case, a strong economic case, and the the voice of workers shone through. You know, we've discussed on the show, that Channel 9 was running case studies about different types of workers. You had workers who were casual and losing income because they couldn't go to work. You had workers who'd used all their sick leave because we're now two and a half years into a pandemic and people have used up all their sick leave. People who'd changed jobs, you know, as a result of the pandemic, having to change industry, not having accrued any sick leave yet. So there's all sorts of variations as to why this payment was important. And what's really pleasing is that, you know, it was only less than two months ago we had a government that would dig its heels in, would refuse to budge, would refuse to listen to the science, refuse to acknowledge the situations and the facts on the ground changing uh, and stick to a policy position that would be out of date and inappropriate no matter what. Whereas now with a Labor government that's listening to the community, listening to workers, listening to advice, it's prepared to change its position.
1: Oh, and leading to one of the most hilarious headlines of the recent political era, Susan Lay. Yes. Um, my name is Susan. She is the deputy leader of the Liberal Party. Yep.
0: I, you know, Acting
1: it... leader. Is she acting? Oh, <laughs> well, yes, because Tutton's on holiday. holiday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so acting leader of uh, the Liberal Party, Susan Lay, was responsible for this classic headline. And please feel free in the comments wherever you see this uh, podcast posted To get the precise wording, but it was Susan Lay demands reinstatement of a of a payment cancelled when she was in the government.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. It
1: was just like, yep,
0: Welcome to Australia, 2022. Opposition demands government reinstates policy that it cut when it was in government.
1: That was literally the headline. (laughs) I think it was on the ABC, and I was just like, we're going to have Labor government for a
0: thousand years. Look, and and you know, sort of obviously, I hope we do because. Labour is not only committed to supporting workers, and I think it was telling when Albo was announcing after National Cabinet that he'd met with the state premiers. The premiers have agreed that they'll fund this 50-50. There's a real sense of cooperation. Uh, Even with the Liberal Premier of New South Wales, it must be said, to make this work. He's so
1: desperate to
0: be (laughs) re-elected. He will do
1: things he doesn't really believe in because he's desperate to be re-elected. Dominic Perrottet flip-flops in the wind. Yeah.
0: There you go. Um, Albo was talking about how he campaigned on the idea that no one should be left behind. And I think it was the work of many, many people, some of whom listened to this podcast, uh, reminding Albo, reminding Labor that that's their position, that's their fundamental value set, and that if this cut was allowed to stand because of the the increase in COVID cases, we know that there's more cases, we know there's more hospitalizations, then some people would, would have been left behind. Now, just a few little details. As I said, it will be 50 50 funded, states and Commonwealth. Uh, people can uh, get it again from the 20th of July, but it will be backdated. So if you do have COVID now and you are worried about how you're going to pay your bills, do jump on the Services Australia website and check that out. Bill Shorten, who's the Minister for uh, Services Australia, uh, is putting it on all his social media channels as well. Uh, so the information is there. Do check it out. And of course, if you, are in, if you are in employment, if you are working at the moment, contact your union for how you can access support as well. And Van, it's interesting you talk about Labor being in government because today on Insiders, you would have struggled to know that Labor was in government, uh, given the the panel who was in, in place, two Tories and a Green, a former Green candidate. It should be pointed out, I'm not sure this was, was actually... Was that declared? I'm not sure it was declared, actually. And, and listeners, do jump in if if I've jumped the gun there, but I can't recall... Uh, that it was declared that he w- that he was a former Green candidate,
1: or a former Green staffer, because he worked for Lee, for Lee Rhiannon. Yeah, exactly right. Now, and his mum is of course. Oh well, we'll go into it. So the panel was Jennifer Hewitt. Ben, yes. who is Jennifer Hewitt? She writes for the AFR. Yes, and she is a.
0: She's she's a conservative, generally speaking. She's yeah, a, she's a pretty much a conservative.
1: And then there was Peter Van Onselen,
0: who is well known to have uh, f- quite quite close friendships with a number of. Senior members of the Liberal Party. Including the distinguished Christian Porter. Indeed. And And then
1: there was, of course, Osman Faruqi, who is the son of Greens Senator Maureen Faruqi, who is a former Greens candidate himself and also is a
0: former Greens staffer. And all of which I find to be particularly interesting given that the interview this week on insiders was with Adam Bant who is of course the leader of the Greens.
1: Mm.
0: Now, uh, I think David Spears did a fine job in the interview.
1: I love David Spears full declaration. I think he's a brilliant journalist.
0: And look, I'm not you know, I'm I praise David when he's worthy of praise and I criticize him when I think he's deserved criticism. And we would hope our friends did the same for us. Exactly right. But I think he did a fine job today and you know the point of today's interview, quite frankly, uh, seems to be fundamentally that Adam Bant is prepared to vote with Peter Dutton, and Barnaby Joyce and David Littleproud, and some of the ridiculous uh, Liberal senators, uh, to, to stop, Labor legislating a forty-three percent emission reduction target again. Now, you know all the kind of hand-wringing in the world uh, and all the kind of self-serving justification in the world around, well, it could end up being that it's not a floor, it's a ceiling, and it could be that, you know, the Senate could change in three years. Well, yes, lots of things can change in three years. But the point is, in my view, Van, and correct me if you think otherwise, we have as a nation gone through a decade of climate wars, of having a government that refused to take real action on this that really three Prime Ministers were unable to deal with this problem.
1: It brought down Malcolm Turnbull. In fact, Alex Turnbull, who is Mm. Malcolm Turnbull's son, um, was lashing the Greens yesterday saying that you know, if unless you can deliver outcomes, you are not doing anything for the environment. And this idea that it's somehow, like Adam Band is on record as saying this, that you just have to push a big red button and stop fossil fuel industries. And Alex Turnbull, I think, was probably obliquely re- re- um, relating to this when he was like, my father was literally brought down as leader of the Liberal Party twice because of... Um, trying to negotiate improved outcomes on climate change if you seriously think that you can just push a button and stop all these things you have not paid any attention to the complex multi-stakeholder relationships that have done and were prepared to do literally anything to stop the legislation of climate action over the past 10 years and are unlikely to stop now in the broader political context, people should be very aware in the United States of America, the Trump appointed judges on the Supreme Court have literally just blocked the Environmental Protection Agency. An agency, by the way, created by notorious left-winger Richard frickin' Nixon um, from being able to stop fossil fuel companies from doing horrible fossil fuel things. Mm, mm. Um, And the Republicans in in the Republican-dominated states, which are, of course, the fossil fuel Mm. wealth states, are doing absolutely everything they can to stop and stymie the Biden agenda. And it's like completely out of control, there is big money and big power invested in maintaining the status quo. And, yes, that is threatening life on Earth. You are completely right. But people who, you know, believe, who choose to believe that Donald Trump won the last election are people who choose to believe that facts are not real. Yeah. Yeah. And for Adam Band to be supposedly representing an environmental party and yet actively agitating that he will vote with the Liberals to himself and his party be a party to stopping again any action on climate change is absolutely reprehensible. Ask anybody who voted Green who listens to this show, did you vote for a party to stop climate action? Because that is literally what that party
0: is doing now. And I think that... I think the other reality is that Adam Bant needs to come to the realisation as quickly as humanly possible that Labor is prepared to do as much as it is able to do to get this through. It's prepared to legislate to get to net zero. It's prepared to legislate an interim climate target by 2030 of 43% because that's what it believes is possible. Now it's happy to have more but it doesn't believe it can legislate more given the maths given the stakeholders involved given the transitions that are required in the Australian economy and Australian society to make those changes happen so for adam banc to go well it should just be what we want yeah immediately is not it's not real it's it's nonsensical and frankly you know it, it always bugs me, right? Because in the National Party, you've got a party that gets, what, 4 7% of the vote, something like that. And in the Greens, you've got a party that gets 10 or 11% of the vote. And the Nationals and the Greens are effectively the two ends of the spectrum when it comes to this. The Nationals now don't want to do anything, and the Greens want to do everything. So the Nationals never want to do anything ever, and the Greens want to do everything now. Or nothing at all. Or nothing at all.
1: Which puts them in the camp of, look, you know, you're the mathematician in this relationship. Does it put them in the camp of the National Party? Yes,
0: it does. Fundamentally, and that's where you end up. If you're, you know, Adam Bant is trying to paint this picture that somehow or another Labor is, is, you know, putting a brinksmanship element into this. No, mate, they're the government. They have sat down, they have done the numbers, they have done the maths they've worked through with experts. Is it an ideal outcome? No, it is not. Is it the perfect outcome? Far from it. But is it an outcome that is achievable? Yes, we believe it is. To go, well, we're not going to do what's achievable because it doesn't get us to perfect straight away is totally counterproductive.
1: It's childish. It is. It's actually childish. Yeah. And and this is what I I can't, I can't get over. I would like to acknowledge the extremely positive contribution of David Pocock, who is, yeah. of course, the new independent senator for the ACT, uh, and who is whose environmentalist credentials, can I just say, are flawless. This is a person with real skin in this game yeah. who was the one who said, this is a floor, not a ceiling, yeah. and that he was committed to doing everything he can to, to improve outcomes in this space but as Alex Turnbull was saying you know unless you deliver you mean nothing and there is a deliverable on
0: the table and I have to say it does reek of political opportunism and I don't like to think this of people but people have said it and so I have to acknowledge that the the theory is out there that the Greens don't actually want to have real meaningful laws uh, and deliverables on climate change because fundamentally they would rather have the issue going into the Victorian and New South Wales state elections as it, a live issue so that they can so that they can say vote for us not labor because we'll we'll get to net zero by 2035 or whatever their made-up numbers are. Like it's easy to just write numbers on a piece of paper, put it on a letterhead and go, that's a policy. Yes, I notice
1: it's not Adam Bant who's actually having to negotiate with stakeholders in industry, you know, major employers, unions. He's not the guy having those conversations. Where are the jobs coming from? What does the transition look like? How can we rebuild this town? What will this mean to your bottom line? How many people will... Like these are real issues that real governments have to consider. You, The demonstration of one's powerlessness is how pure one can articulate. And, and I've just got to say, you know, I'm an environmentalist. Everybody who listens to The Week, and week on Wednesday knows that this is my thing. It is how I got politicised. It's how I got involved in student politics. You know, I've had more arrests for environmental activity than everything else. And it is precisely because I'm an
0: environmentalist that I vote for the Australian Labor Party. Well, and it's, I have to say, the other thing that stunned me about Adam Bant today on Insiders was this idea that unless the legislation contains a blanket ban on coal or gas uh, mining, that would be another reason for them to vote with Dutton and uh, Barnaby Joyce uh, to block the legislation. Now, I think that that is so ridiculous and so devoid of fact You know we we rely on coal not just for for energy but for steel for for a whole range of things gas is part of our energy mix you know you can some of those some of those projects are replacing existing exhausted resources it's about transitioning it's about transitioning not about blanket bands and drawing a line through whole communities. And it, it, it really struck me that Adam Bant would go on national television and use his platform to say, well, unless we get everything we want, then...
1: No one gets anything.
0: Then, and the government is the ones who are somehow or another holding up the process. And it's like, no, mate... Anthony Albanese has been doing the consultations. He's met with the climate change roundtable. He's met with industry, with unions. He's met with environment groups. Like, there's lots of consultation here. And quite frankly, you, the Greens having a little powwow amongst themselves and coming up with what they'd like to see um, or pulling a fact from one report or a report from overseas, whatever they've however they've come to their conclusion... Is not the same. It's not governing. It's a kind of academic exercise. It's a it's a political academia rather than a political reality. And quite frankly, uh, it's a luxury uh, that most Australians can't afford. And frankly, reflects the fact that even when there are people who are for them, who see the climate as their number one issue, for whom climate is the number one issue, they would rather vote for a teal independent than a Greens candidate. You know, and he seats the Greens won where the seats where the Teals were not running. And, you know, that, I think, says a lot. It says a lot, in my mind, about people's perception, at the very least, probably built on the back of performances like today on Insiders, about how the Greens create policy and how they would act if they were in government.
1: You know, I issue this public invitation to Adam Band. When you can get the Australian Industry Group and the Australian, uh, the uh, Australian, um, the small business one, what's it? COSBOA. COSBOA. When you can get AIG, COSBOA, what's the other big industry group? Uh, BCA. And the Business Council of Australia. When you can get them to agree to your target, great. I yeah. mean, I think if you can get those industry players invested as stakeholders in your policy positions, Not to mention the Australian Workers' Union and the CFMEU, all the other people in this space who are trying to negotiate... Australian
0: Nursing and Midwifery Federation. Of course. You know, health unions.
1: (laughs) All of the... I want Adam Bandt to get everybody who was present representing their organisations and movements who were at that meeting with Chris Bowen and Albo to agree with Adam Bandt's policy position. Great. And I'm quite sure if Adam Bandt can do that the Australian Labor Party government of this country will be more than happy. Yeah, ACF. There was climate, you know. Yeah, the ACF was there. Conservation Foundation. I'm absolutely sure the Albanese Labor government would be thrilled to have a multi-stakeholder, like a mutually agreed target that was greater than 43%. Absolutely. You know? And (laughs) this is my public challenge to Adam. If you can do that, mate,
0: we're all on board. Absolutely. Look... Van, the weekend wrap is notoriously short, so we will keep it short and sweet. Those are two really big issues. COVID, of course, we've already said, wear your mask, get your third shot if you haven't already. There's still 30% of Australians who haven't had the third shot. Get the fourth shot if you're eligible for it. Um, Trust us. Trust us on this. Stay safe. Um, But Van, you know, we're we're here in sunny Sydney, um, and interestingly enough, you know, the, the member for Cook... Isn't he, the former Prime Minister?
1: Yes, yes. People would know that my mother, um, unfortunately, because she has led a moral and blessed life lives in the electorate of Cork, which was, of course, where I was educated at Port Hacking High School, long may it rain. and uh, our local member, the former Prime Minister Scott Morrison, a man who assured us that he would govern for all Australians. I seem to believe that that promise was made, that he was going to govern for all Australians. Yeah, he's not. He's in Perth at the moment, the former Prime Minister, who has not resigned from his seat as was what, you know, noble prime ministerial... Um, no, he's, yes. gone,
0: he's gone to Perth to give a sermon at Margaret Court's Pentecostal church. Margaret Court, of course, who very famously uh, came out against marriage equality uh, and made a number of horrendous statements uh, around equality. And quite frankly, you know, I, I responded on social media. It was probably the largest social media uh, piece I've ever um, uh, had was a response to Margaret Court's horrendous bigotry towards the LGBTIQA plus community. And
1: I'd just like to acknowledge that's horrendous bigotry is the politest, most politically neutral assessment I think you could have of her horrendous bigotry.
0: So for Scott Morrison to be over in WA and who knows if he's being paid for that or if if he's claiming this somehow on parliamentary travel, we don't know any of that detail. So quite frankly, you know, we'll leave that for others to speculate and I'm sure Uh, freedom of information, requests and appropriate transparencies will will be followed at some point.
1: Samantha Maiden, the world turns its (laughs) eyes to you. Uh,
0: But, you know, quite frankly, for him to go to Perth on the other side of the country to give a sermon at a Pentecostal church for someone who has expressed such horrendous positions gives us an insight into what a re-elected Scott Morrison government with a conservative Senate may have tried to do. Yes. uh, May have tried to do. But thankfully, that's not the case.
1: Yay!
0: And we will keep track of Scott Morrison's adventures. Adventures in infamy. That's right. Adventures in
1: being a despicable human being with absolutely no
0: redemptive spiritual qualities whatsoever. But let's end the weekend wrap on some very happy news.
1: Yes. So... uh, As everybody who listens to the show knows, my beloved Mother Barb has been very, very sick. And uh, even though Ben and I fully intend at some point to engage in quite a public nuptial celebration, the situation has obliged us uh, to include my mother in what I would describe as emergency nuptials on the weekend. So Ben and I, now that we live in Australia where everyone has the right to marry the person that they love, got married yesterday.
0: We did. It was a lovely ceremony with... Our very closest family uh, on the beach in Sydney. I know. Ne- I never thought I'd get married in Sydney. Frankly, it's not
1: it, my really speaking place. to the the uh, the particular nature of the, s- nature of the situation that Ben even allowed himself to get married in Sydney. And I'd like to personally acknowledge the God of my understanding for turning on the weather as we had prepared to have the ceremony in the lounge room at (laughs) Mum's house and were able, by some absolute miracle of logistics, to get a couple of chairs down uh, to the beach where the ashes of my beloved father were scattered and uh, had an extremely intense and emotional experience.
0: We did. And the reason we're just telling everyone who listens to The Week on Wednesday is that we appreciate the support and the love that so many of our listeners have shown us since we started this podcast some 22 months ago Uh, and we know that it's been your support that has really allowed this podcast to succeed.
1: Despite us being in different cities and my mum being in and out of hospital being a
0: pandemic, small
1: pandemic (laughs) me being locked down in Sydney like doing this podcast has given us a, I mean Ben and I have a pretty meaningful connection anyway because by the way, the secret to any good marriage is socialism. but the idea that we have you know this podcast to do and a community to engage with and a discussion that we're part of has made a very difficult year in our lives it's something it has really brought a lot of support
0: and structure. So we want to thank all of you for your support and obviously those of you who are contributing on our buy me a coffee page as well. A big thank you to all of you. Um, we, we will continue to do this podcast well into our happily married lives. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: no matter how many times we marry each other.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is the weekend wrap for The Week on Wednesday, this Sunday, the 17th of July, 2022. As always, until Van and I are with you again on Wednesday, remember to be kind to yourselves and to each other. Bye.